Friday, July 31st, 2020. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. I'm sitting on a creaky chair, and uh, this episode's coming out late. And I've had uh, some issues because I'm, I'm putting it together at a location where I don't normally put it together. So I have a, a wrestling rewatch in the can that I'm going to save for next week with Darren Zocali with Andrew Champagne where we talk about SummerSlam 1994. So we'll have that uh, on next week's episode. This week, wow, we got a lot to talk about. NBA opening night, couple games, Lakers versus Clippers. We had Jazz versus Pelicans. We're going to go through the uh, baseball news, what's been going on over the last couple days, why Rob Manfred, the baseball commissioner, is atrocious. How about some horse racing? Saratoga Friday, Del Mar Friday. We'll go through everything happening in Friday. It's Stable Duel, and we will give you a little Stable Duel lineup analysis for Friday. Saturday, Del Mar. Saturday, Saratoga. We are just all over the place on this episode of That's What G Said. Kick back and enjoy. Let's get to NBA opening night to, to get things started. So we had two games both of them really good games, both decided by two points. Let's start with the more recent of the the two. It was Lakers Clippers that went down to, you know, really the final possession. Lakers win one hundred three one hundred one. Let's take you through the way this game played out. Lakers were up thirty seven twenty four early in the second quarter. Kawhi had two offensive fouls in the first quarter, and then there was a from about the middle to the middle part of the second quarter till the middle part of the third quarter, the Lakers were horrible. There was a stretch where they went one for ten. They had tons of turnovers, turnover after turnover after turnover. Clippers went on a twenty-six to five run, so they went from you know being down to all of a sudden they're up by eleven. The Lakers come back with a twenty-one eleven run of their own. They pulled it within one point to start the fourth quarter, so the Clippers are up one to start the fourth. Lakers have the advantage. Most of the fourth, there's four minutes and 32 seconds left. It's 96-87. Looks like the Lakers are about to pull away. Anthony Davis has a three. Go in and out. They come down. The Clippers get the rebound, come down, and Kawhi hits a three. That's a six-point swing. Instead of it being 99-87 with four minutes and 30 seconds left in the game done, all of a sudden it's 96-90, and now really just a two-possession game. Huge swing, and that's what kept the Clippers in the game late. Paul George ends up scoring eight straight Clipper points for them. And the game was tied with 28.7 seconds left. LeBron misses runner, but he gets the miss, tips it in with 12.8 seconds left. Paul George misses a three that would have won the game. This was a really fun back and forth. And, you know, obviously the Clippers are the team coming out of this game that you just have to logically think, okay, they were missing some players, a couple big pieces off the bench. They were missing, they they had some players that were not around. So you think logically they're going to be better, right? They're they're going to improve. These two teams just seem like, I don't know if anyone's going to blow the other team out. They both seem pretty determined when they've played each other, and we've had some really good games. So if you're a Clipper fan, I think you should be super excited and super impressed with, with the way that your team fought when it looked like they were down late. That's what happens in these games. It, there's been a couple times where it looked like the Lakers were going to blow them out in these games, and then 
all of a sudden the Clippers would turn it on. There was a few times where like like the Clippers were going to blow them out, but these teams really fight hard. And so, um, yeah, I'm super impressed with the way the Clippers play tonight. Kawhi and Paul George, uh, in particular, Paul George really looked good. He was 11 for 17. He had 30 points. He had six threes, six for 11. He had five rebounds, three assists, three steals. You could see that everybody was a little sloppy on both teams. A lot of turnovers. Paul George had five turnovers. Kawhi had three turnovers himself, but Kawhi was 11 for 13 from the free throw line. He had 28 points, four assists, three rebounds, two steals, two blocks. He hit three threes, but yeah, he had those three turnovers. So, you know, Beverly, Shamit, Zubat, they were all limited. They were not in the bubble practicing with this Clipper team the whole time. They've been in and out. Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell didn't play Those are the one-two punch off the bench for the Clippers That's a ton of points Now, they when they're playing They take a few shots away from Even guys like Kawhi and, and, and Paul George So it's it's a positive a lot of the time you, you want those guys on your team But sometimes when, when PG and Kawhi have really good games It's not as big of a loss but you, you you definitely need those guys when you're talking about a series or making deep runs into the playoffs. It, it's just what happens when you have stars. They'll step up and fill in the gap when there's no Lou and, Lou and no Trez for a game or two. But having those two would have obviously been a big boost for the Clippers. So let's see. What else do we have here? Let's go to the Lakers side. They They played pretty well. They have plenty of room to improve, though. They're not going to look at this game and say, wow, this was the best we possibly could have played. LeBron was a little sloppy. 34 minutes. He was 6 for 19 from the field. He had 16 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. He had 5 turnovers. He was 2 for 7 from 3. AD had some stretches where he just looked unstoppable. He had 34 points. He was 8 for 19 from the field. He was 2 of 5 from 3, but he was 16 of 17 from the free throw line. He had eight rebounds. He had four assists. He also had four turnovers. So you could see sloppy from a lot of the stars tonight. This was their first time. This is not an easy first game back for some of them where they just had to immediately go from zero to 100. What they were doing in the the practice games and the scrimmage games was surely, I guess, more than zero, probably more like 30 or 40. And then you ramp up right away in a big game like this. So Kuzma Helped the Lakers out 32 minutes. He had 16 points. He had four threes. He was four of seven from three. And then Deion Waiters looked really good. He gave the Lakers exactly what they needed. He the the problem one of the problems with Deion Waiters in in the spots that he's been in his career is he, when he's needed to be a guy that was going to have to play 30 30 plus minutes and be a massive contributor, you had to really put the handcuffs on him. But where he is and what the role the Lakers need. From and what they need of him, what 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 they need him to do, the role they need him to fill, he just has to come in and and, and kind of jack like he did, throw up shots, be instant offense. Twenty one minutes, he had eleven points, three rebounds, a couple assists, and a block. He just looks good out there visually. You're watching him play; he looks good out on the court. Caruso, he closed the game. He had twenty. He played 28 minutes. He had seven points, four rebounds, a couple assists, and a steal. He had a big defensive play late. So the Clippers, 20 turnovers, they shot, but they did shoot really well from three, 16 for 36 from three. Lakers shot just 39% from the field, and they were only 11 for 36 from three. So the Clippers definitely had that three-point advantage there. But the Lakers also had 16 turnovers. They shot nine more free throws, and they made seven more free throws. 
So now the Lakers are up six and a half games on the Clippers, who are the number two seed, and there's only seven games left. So the Lakers have all but wrapped up the number one seed. I'd imagine down the stretch, you probably won't see too much of AD and LeBron. I'd like to see them play in games, start games, play a few minutes, play the beginning of halves, but not be really worried about winning games and ramped being ramped up late. Fun Laker-Clipper game. We now, after the two games that were Thursday night, we're now going to have six games on Friday, and we're going to have at least five games a day, I believe, for a while. And teams are going to be basically playing each uh, playing every other day, and everybody's got all of these twenty-two teams have eight games left before the uh, the playoffs, and then we'll go into the seeding like a normal uh, a normal playoff. Now, Utah and New Orleans, the one thing that isn't normal about this playoff is if if you are a nine-seeded team, you're within four games of the eight-seeded team, you will get the chance to play them in a little mini-series where you have to beat them twice in a row. If they beat you in either of two games, they they continue to hold that eight spot. So the Pelicans are trying to get in, and they lost a really tight game tonight that could end up hurting them. Utah beat New Orleans 106-104. to The Pelicans led this game by as many as 16 points late in the second quarter. What hurt is Zion, because he had, he had left and he was in quarantine and came back, he only was able to play 15 minutes. He left the game with 7 minutes and 19 seconds left, and he did not come back. The game was tied at 104 with 32 seconds left, and Rudy Gobert was able to hit a couple of free throws. To win 106 to 104. Jazz went on an 11 to 1 run late in the fourth. Pelicans had 20 turnovers in this game, so everybody was sloppy. They didn't shoot that well either. They were 11 from 30, 11 for 31 from three. But the Jazz were only 8 for 34 from three, and they also had 20 turnovers. They still were able to, to squeak out a win here. Connolly was 7 for 16. He had 20 points, four assists, a rebound, a steal, and a block. He was 2 of 7 for 3. Mitchell was 6 of 14. He had 20 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, and a block. And the big boost for Utah was Jordan Clarkson. He had 30, uh, played 32 minutes off the bench, 23 points. He was 8 of 17, but he was only 1 of 8 for 3. He still was 6 of 7 from the free throw line. He had 5 rebounds, 3 assists, and a couple steals. The Jazz shot 10 more free throws and made 11 more free throws, and that was really the, the, one of the big differences in the game. Ingram had 23 points. He was 7 of 20. He was 2 of 8 from 3. He had 8 rebounds and a block. Drew Holiday was 9 of 18. He had 20 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals and a block. J.J. Redick was 7 for 15. He was 3 of 8 from 3. He had 21 points. And Lonzo, he was just 2 of 13. He was 0 of 4 from 3. That hurt New Orleans in a tight game on opening night. So the Pelicans, they've got a hill to climb now. And Utah secures a big win in the middle of that really tight seeding race in in the West. A fun opening night. Two very, very tight basketball games. Sports are back. And Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app that I think a lot of you out there will, will really enjoy. And with the return of baseball and basketball golf is going on there's soccer to play they have league of legends you can 
play contest every single day. Now, here's the difference w- with Thrive Fantasy compared to some of the other sites that you've probably played on. This is built around prop bets. For every contest, you're going to need to choose some of the prop bets that they have out there, and each unique prop will have an over or an under point value assigned to it. For example, will Tom Brady throw for over or under 250 yards? You'll get points assigned for which side you pick. Over might be 100, under might be 80, something like that. It is very fun. You have contests that you can get involved in for free. They have free rolls, $2, $5, $10, $20, $25, 50 bucks. If you want to play for 100 500 1000 you can get in contests in head-to-head, in little group competitions, or in some of the really big competitions where they have thousands of prizes. Now with basketball back, you can play in these basketball contests every day, baseball contests every day. Football is going to be on the horizon Thrive Fantasy. Remember, use that promo code G-I-N-O. The key to the promo code, you deposit $20, you get an instant $20 bonus. So if you're looking looking around, something you want to try, just throw $20 in, use the promo code G-I-N-O. I get a few bucks right back in my pocket. You get a $20 bonus. It makes me look good to one of my sponsors. It helps me out. It helps you out. We're helping each other out. Thrive Fantasy. Don't forget that promo code. G-I-N-O when you deposit 20 when you use that promo code. If you have any questions at all, just let me know. I'll help you out. Big news in the NCAA football world. So over the last couple weeks, we've seen the major conferences all decide what they were going to do or what they at least plan to do for this season. Everything we know is sort of on hold based on what's been going on in the world, but you have to at least have a game plan. You have to at least have everything set up, and they're seeing other sports moving forward. So all of the the big four major conferences so far of out of the five have all decided that they're going to be playing conference games only. So the ACC, they're going to play 10 conference games, but they're also including Notre Dame as the as a non-conference game. So Notre Dame is going to be included in the ACC this year. The Pac-12 and the Big 12, they're going to be playing conference games only. And the SEC just made their decision on Thursday. They're going to be playing a 10-game conference-only schedule that begins on September 26th. They have an SEC title game scheduled for December December the 19th, and they have an open date for each team on December the 12th. This is the fourth major Power 5 conference to go to, confer- uh, to, go to conference games only. So the Big 12 now is the only league that has not announced what they plan to do about scheduling. And they will have a conference on Monday. There's been rumors and things talked about like a spring season if they cannot go through with the the season as planned. But teams have now, in the conferences that have decided, have now had their schedules released uh, in many cases. And it'll be a really big trickle effect to all the other teams that had big non-conference games scheduled with some of these big conference teams. These Power 5 conference teams, you know, conferences like the Mountain West, they'll be sort of waiting and still trying to figure it out. What happens to a college football playoff when teams only play the the teams in their own conference? We don't get any semblance of out of conference to 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 see how, you know, conferences will stack up against each other. We all want to see Football coming back. We all want to see college football coming back. It's going to be definitely a very different season this year, as uh, as the case with most of the other sports. Is we will not see a whole lot of out of conference stuff, especially early and especially in the big major Power Five conferences. 
Okay, get ready for my rant time. I'm I'm just flabbergasted with the baseball commissioner Rob Manfred and what an atrocious job he has been doing. And let's go through what he's done since he's been the commissioner in 2015. And and this is stemming off of what his recent decision to suspend Dodger pitcher Joe Kelly eight games, eight games in a 60 game season, which would be the equivalent of 22 games in a 162 game season. Kelly did not hit anyone or did not get thrown out of a game. Yet he gets suspended for eight games for attempting to throw at Astro players. Now, mind you, the Astros admittedly cheated. We all know they cheated, but because Commissioner Rob Manfred gave them immunity, none of them got suspended for cheating. The wins or the championship did not get revoked. The World Series title did not get revoked. They did not get suspended a game, yet Joe Kelly gets suspended eight games equal to what have been 162 in a normal season for throwing at one of them. A couple of them. Even though he he didn't hit them. I understand you don't want to have somebody throwing at them. This is something that happens in baseball all the time. This has been something that's been going on. Does it make it right? No. Things have been going on for years that aren't right. But I, I, I have a hard time sticking up for what the Astros did and punishing someone like Joe Kelly that long. So, other things that have happened in Rob Manfred's tenure. He did nothing to Boston for repeatedly cheating. They had cheated using Apple Watches. Then they again had cheated the year they won, but we find out it wasn't that big a deal. And and now, can we believe anything this guy has said? Because he's told us that he was not negotiating with the players in good faith prior to this season. He had no intention of ever playing more than 60 games. So he's just bullshitting us that whole time anyways. So how do we know anything that he's ever said has been honest, has been true? Anything he's told us about the Astros investigation, about the investigation of Boston, is he someone who just wants to get these investigations swept under the rug, done quickly, not have this big scandal hanging over baseball? He doesn't want to be a part of that. That doesn't look good on him. Does it, is it going to look good on him coming down on these big cheating scandals? No. It's going to look bad that it, that it went down under his watch and that the teams that won the World Series, perhaps in back-to-back years, had to get stripped of titles. I just... I have a hard time listening to him. He called the World Series trophy a piece of metal. This is someone who's supposed to be the head of the game. He does work for the owners, but he is supposed to be a liaison between the owners and the players and do what's best for the game, help the players who are the lifeline of the game. What happened with the Marlins on Sunday? How did he let them play after they had some positive tests and they were apparently deciding on their own if they were going to play? Rumors of them being out. How did? How is he not overly overly cautious right now in this world that we're living in they started a season this year with the Blue Jays having no home field no real place to play how did he not have that locked up immediately there have been new changes to the game one of his big his big plans was to speed up the game. I don't have a problem with that. I completely understand what he's trying to do. He wants to make the game better for TV. He wants to make baseball quicker. Games go a little too long. The, the problem is some of the things that he did, 
I don't love he put the pitch clock in. Okay, maybe that's okay. When you do things like mandatory minimum batters for relievers, I don't love that. Now, any of the rules that have been changed just for this year that are going to go back, I completely understand the the COVID-19 year rules. But some of these have been rules that have been implemented over the past few years that I don't think have have been or were planning on being implemented this year regardless of, of it being a shortened season. Before that, he was involved in the MLB in different things. One of them, drug testing, which has always been a joke in baseball. As you can tell, I'm not a big fan of this guy. And if you're a Dodger fan, you're probably not. And if you're a fan of most teams that aren't the Astros and probably the Red Sox, you're. I, I can't imagine you really being a fan of him. Because he hasn't done anything for you. He's done. He really has now gone out of his way to defend this Astros team who made a mockery of baseball. So, let's get to some of the other news. Unfortunately, there will be no Marlins games till Sunday. They seem to sort of been the epicenter of this COVID outbreak in baseball, and there's been a chain reaction. The Phillies have canceled all of the activities at Citizens Bank Park through the week, including a weekend series with the Blue Jays. There were two clubhouse staff that test positive they were in dealing with the visitors clubhouse which the Marlins were in which means the Blue Jays now have to stay in Washington for the weekend remember the Blue Jays they can't go home to Toronto they're not playing at their home field and they can't go back home this whole time the Phillies haven't played since Sunday they're not going to play till Monday the Marlins have now had 19 positives So Marlins, Phillies, Blue Jays affected for the time being. This has been a a season that has been strange, as you would imagine, being a shortened year. After three games, no team was 3-0, no team was 0-3. That was the first time that that's happened since 1954. You generally get one or two teams that go 5-0, and a couple teams that go 0-5. And then after five or six games, some teams have played, you know, seven. Everyone has at least two wins. The only team that doesn't is Philly, and they've only played three games. They're one and two. And so they're they're kind of tough to, to group in. But everybody else that's played at least those five or six, seven games, they've got a couple wins. So again, nobody has been completely awful. Some of the teams who are supposed to be really bad have actually picked up a few more wins than would have been projected. The Marlins... We have only seen them play a few times, but they've already got a couple wins. Uh, the Tigers, the Orioles were another team. So it's been balanced. It's been close to start. And the extra inning games. I don't love the idea in a 162-game season of having the runner on second all the time. But in this shortened year, I'll tell you, it was fun. It brings a whole new sense of strategy, and it's like old-school baseball again because... You get that runner on immediately, and you have to deal with, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to, uh, I'm going to bunt him over. Am I going to just let my hitters take three chances to try to, you know, get a single or you know, hit a home run and, and put a, a two spot on the board? From a defensive perspective, am I going to walk them and put and put a force into play? The, what the Dodgers did last night in this extra inning game, I loved. So they went right after runners on second. They get put on second for the Astros. The Dodgers are, are pitching. 
and they go right after the first hitter, strike him out. They walk the next hitter, so you have runners on first and second with one out, and then you get a double play. That's a, that's the most perfect way to play that situation defensively. And then what happens if you're home team versus the away team? If you're the home team, I think you definitely bunt the runner over right away. You get the runner to third with one out. You only need a sack fly. A pass ball wins the game for you. A base hit wins it for you. If you're away, your visitors, you probably want to get, get at least have the opportunity to get more than just that one run. You're probably not playing quite as small ball unless it's deeper into the game. I like it. I think it's been fun. The Dodgers had a nice little uh, two-game sweep of the Astros. We spoke about everything that happened with Joe Kelly earlier, uh, the the last episode, and then you had that insane eight-game suspension. And then the Dodgers just beat Arizona. So they're now 5-2, and two, and they're one of three games in the league with five wins. The other two teams are the Padres and the Indians. They're both 5-2 and two as well. And for the Dodgers, it's been the bullpen. 35 and a third innings pitched, 1.02 ERA, and a 138 opponent batting average. The Yankees beat Baltimore for the 18th straight time. They are 4-1. and one. They and the Rockies only have one loss. The Rockies are also 4-1. and one. So far, two of the teams with uh, the worst records in baseball. The D-backs, they're 2-5, and five, and the Angels are 2-5 and five to start. So we'll keep checking in on baseball because this is different than a, a normal baseball season where, you know, three or four games go by, it doesn't really matter. Every three or four games in this season really, really is going to matter, and we'll, we'll start to see separation now each and every time we check in. Let's talk about our friends over at Sarah Candle Company. That's C-E-R-A Candles.com. That's the website. Their goal was to create a candle 100% natural, clean burning, and the highest quality that everyone can enjoy. And if you use the promo code GINO, it'll get you 10% off your purchase. Next time you're thinking about buying a candle, make sure to to jot down this website's name, sarahcandles.com, and give them a try. I personally know the, uh, the folks who run this company. They love candles. This was a hobby, and they decided, you know what? We are going to be able to to make this into a business because with the use of, of the wax that they have, the the all-natural soy wax, it can actually help the candle burn longer, and it can be a little bit better for you. They have 100% lead-free cotton wicks, completely natural scents. They have tons of different scents, too, over 25 different scents available, three different sizes. This is a perfect gift for someone, or if you're just a candle person yourself, Give them a look, sarahcandles.com. Make sure that promo code G-I-N-O gets you 10% off. Helps me look good to one of my longtime sponsors. So help them out, help me out. We'll help you out with that 10% off using the promo code G-I-N-O. I'm a big fan of the Fresh Roses scent myself. Uh, I always load up and get three or four of those uh, every couple weeks because I love to burn the candles. So give them a look, Sarah Candle Company, sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com, promo code G-I-N-O. 
Let's get to our first bit of horse racing for the weekend. We're going to go to Friday, Saratoga, get those past performances out. Let's talk early pick five, and then we'll talk uh, late pick four there at Saratoga. So in race number one, uh, I think the pick five is sort of chalky and hittable, so I won't spend a whole ton of money on it. But I think you can probably take a swing at it for... uh, for maybe a small ticket. Now I say that, and it'll probably be the longest shot in the field in race number one, and we'll all get knocked out. But I think you can get through the, the first with the two, the first-timer for Wesley Ward, the uh, the deuce, stylish rags, the three, spring break, the maker, and uh, the six, passion. So we'll just use two, three, and six there in race number one to kick off the pick five. And then in race number two, the two, Miss LeBon. The layoff is the the real concern. If this 10-time winner had a race under his belt, I would I would probably single him. I'm just a little worried he could get short late in here. I'll use the two. We'll use the four, Business Cycle. We'll use the seven and the eight, Zonic, and the eight, Get Off My Back. So it'll be two, four, seven, and eight in race number two. And then in the third race, the three Prairie Wings is going to get some money trying the grass for the first time. I think a mile and three-eighths for her is going to be a little bit difficult, and she hasn't raced since May the 25th. I, I just think that's a bit long for her. The six Sursum Co- uh, Corda, she had a slow start. She was dead last. She was eight lengths off, and the top two were one-two all the way around that day. Uh, she... You know, she angled to the middle of the racetrack. She really got going late. I think she can run all day long. So I'm going to single her. I prefer her of the short prices. Let's single the six, serve some Corda in race number three in the pick five. And then in race number four, it's a field of five. I'm just going to press all. Any one of these five could win it. I, I genuinely like the five Pacific Gale the most. She just doesn't win. So I couldn't confidently use her or single her in there. And so again, you know, we'll go all, and, and I like her the most, which means she'll probably win. But let's just use all in, in race number four. And then in race number five, I'm going to go too deep in here. I, I was flirting with, with singling the five, love me tomorrow. But I do think the four, Snydlin Empress, this three-year-old Phillies dam was a three-time winner on the grass, and there is a turf-winning sibling. So the four for a barn who's been spotting their horses so well all meet long. Let's use the five and the four in there. So that early pick five will look something like this. Two, three, six with two, four, seven, eight with six with all with four, five. That's your early pick five over at Saratoga for Friday. Let's get you to race number seven, which is the start of the late pick four sequence. I'm I'm looking at a few in here. The four blanket of roses would be my top selection. Dropping out of a tougher first level allowance race in for the 40. The seven gravitas is probably the speed of the speed probably the best suited of the speeds too, drawn towards the outside so i think the sevens use and then the 10 dyna drive will also be on the ticket getting back to the green so we'll use those three in here the four seven and the 10 in race number eight the line's the logical horse and i don't really have any knocks on the this three-year-old philly jewel of arabia she crushed last time out it was in the slop yes but she she just seems to be the horse to beat in here the seven is the one that might be the horse to bet. I like the fact that Cohen jumps on. I think if you toss the last race at six and a half furlongs and just say that was a little bit too too far and she solely really wants to go about six, she will probably get a better ride. Now, he hasn't won at the meet, right? We know that he's capable and you should get a good journey from Waylon uh, Josie in here. There's just not a ton else. 
this is a good spot for her. If she bounces back to the race on June the 13th, the race in March, uh, the race back in February at the beginning, and there's a couple different races that put her right there at a price. So let's use the 7 and the 9 in race number 8. Let's get you to race number 9. I'm going to go four deep in here. It looks like the two inside horses have a lot of speed, and I would imagine that's going to probably make things pretty difficult for a horse like Artie's Princess who wants to be close up. So Artie's Princess is going to be trying the turf for the first time in a race with lots of other speed. I'm against her. I will use the the three, Fly So Pretty, who gets back to the grass. And, and look at the turf sprint form. Put a line through the race going long on the grass. You have three really good turf sprints. The five, Shippy's a, a bit interesting. Look at the, the way she sat on April the 17th at Gulfstream Park. She went to the lead at Monmouth Park in a race where she was just better and handled like a, a horse who was better. I think she could be a horse who ends up sitting in the spot that that you need to be in to win in in this field. That's what's where Bradenberry really was last time out. So she's going to be on the ticket as well. And then the nine, she's my type. They could very easily go really really quick in here, and she could probably run them all down. So three, five, six, and nine to close things out. We'll use the one Hurricane Breeze from the inside for Maker. The three Lido Key is hands down to me the one to beat coming out of a couple first level allowance races that were tougher at Churchill and then at Keeneland and then the nine Princess Fazia who's going to be forwardly placed and in the mix throughout so one three and nine to close things out that's your late pick four there for Friday over at Saratoga you're listening to the uh, the horse racing analysis so I know you're a horse racing fan so you need to go to the website oldsmokeclothing.com they have t-shirts with horse names, polos, hoodies, long sleeves, zip-ups, hats, names of the big races, slogans. You're a fan of maybe Tis the Law. Maybe you're a fan of Secretariat. Midnight Bisu running this weekend. You a fan? Check out the swag they have for all of these different horses and many, many more. You could show the horse racing fan in you. Check out the customs they have. Uh, and if you use the promo code G-I-N-O, you will get no shipping on your purchase so you don't have to worry about the shipping cost when you use the promo code G-I-N-O it helps me look good to uh, one of my sponsors out there check them out oldsmokeclothing.com support the folks who help support that's what G said and I know you're a fan of racing so check them out there's just not a lot of places all over that have racing swag oldsmokeclothing.com they've got the good stuff check it out Get those past performances out for Del Mar Friday, July the 31st. Let's go through the card. We'll, we'll pretty much hit most of this uh, this card. We'll we'll, um, we'll we'll spend a few a few minutes on, on certain races. Others will kind of breeze through. In the first race, I don't know if I'm going to play any type of pick five. I'm not going to give out a ticket or anything because I don't I don't li- I like a couple horses in the sequence, but I don't feel like I love the sequence overall enough to want to spend a good amount into a pick five. So we'll probably play the five Will Dancer in race number one i think he's gonna get the lead i mean he got the lead he looked home but i think the long stretch at los al did him in last time out and he he got a little short late he should be right on the front there is no other speed in here i'm going with a five will dancer to kick things off anything around seven to two feels fine to me in race number two this is a field of first time starters in here you have nobody with experience the and there's a couple logical horses to use, but I, I like the the Mendez horse, the seven, pretty saley. 
This barn is excellent first time out. Going five furlongs on the grass, I don't have any problem with. The dam was a two, uh, two-time winner on the turf. You got a good speed rider here with quick works, and you're drawn more towards the outside than the other Mendez horse. I, I like the, the seven. Pretty Saley. Make sure to use this one in your exotics. I'm going to make a win wager if I can get anything over four to one. In race number three, I'll be using in some exotics the one, two, three, and six. Just I thought the three I'm so adorable has the opportunity stepping up for maiden open maiden 30s to the the state bred cow bred maiden special weights isn't as big of a step up as you might think it is and this horse did have a little bit of trouble i think there's something there with i'm so adorable the other three just look logical the six liberalism the one uh althea gibson and uh, the deuce angel creek it would be one two three and six for me or three one two and six there as the horses to use in some of your exotics in race number four I do like the five seeking refuge it's going to be my top selection i will use along with the one two and eight i feel like seeking refuge is just going to be in the mix right throughout for a barn that's going to it's going to start heating up soon and he he should be pretty tough in here third start off the short break seeking refuge along with the eight very logical chris's wildcat speed stretching back out the one cajun treasure dropping in class in the two Ono's man. So the five, eight, one, and two in the exotics for me in race number four. And then we get to race number five. This one's interesting because you have the Baffert via Angelica from the rail. You have the Baffert happier first time starter that they paid 800,000 for. And you have Himiko, who of the three Bafferts, they paid a million for this one. And she actually has some experience and ran pretty well last time out. She was in between horses. She got a nice opening. She finished second. I actually like last first kiss the most in here. She was buying a horse named Crystal Ball who went on and was very, very good and went a runner-up against Graded Stakes Company over at Saratoga. Last first kiss is cutting back to seven furlongs. All of her races have been at a mile. Put a line through the race in the debut when she was going a mile on the turf. And everything else has been pretty good. I think she has enough tactical speed to stay close. And with the cutback, she'll just be a little bit fit. She's going to be making the third start of her current form cycle. She didn't race from January to May. She raced on May the 17th, June the 14th, comes back on July the 31st. She's had plenty of time. She's ready to rock. I think a big effort's coming from the Deuce. Last first kiss. I'll make a win wager, anything around 3-1 to one or so, and we'll use in the exotics with the 5. Himiko. Race number 6. I thought the 4 Go Daddy Go just really seems like a nice fit in here. Another one who any improvement at all, even just a repeat of that last effort, probably wins this. So go, daddy, go at anything over five to two will be a, a win wager for me and definitely a horse to use in any exotics you're playing in that sixth race. The seventh race, the, you know, the one horse, Tribal War Chant, I don't love the rail, but if you toss the turf races, he's coming out of a, a Pleasanton race where he ran really, really well. I think this horse has a shot at a pretty nice price. The 10 is another one in here that quick finish with his draw towards the outside. I think it's going to give him a real opportunity and Drayden Van Dyke some options here. He can stalk. He has speed out there. Put a line through the, the turf race. Put a line through the race on the slop. You can make some excuses for him. 
I think this draw is real key. And then the three brickyard ride. If he, you know, he fires back to what he's he's put up in his last couple when he's been able to clear the field, he's going to be really tough to run down. I think there's some other speed in the, in, in this race though, and it's a, it's a little bit tougher. So ten, one, and three in race number seven at Del Mar. In race number eight, I'll be sort of Captain Obvious. Just the Ivy League and Madone for me. Those are the two, the, the two first-time starters. They both look good for me. Mandela Furster and uh, Madone. So Captain Obvious. Don't not don't really have to sell you on either one of those two. In race number nine at Del Mar, the the seven is is interesting to me. This is lightning fast. So his first two races were pretty solid. He was third running late in both of them. He actually showed a little bit more speed in his second start, but he, he ends up finishing third in both. So he tries to turf going long on November the 14th. You can put a line through that race. Comes back and absolutely crushes a field by six. That was in January. Came back on July the 10th, and he just needed the race. And that was against open, optional 40 first level allowance. And that was against older. Now he's back in with Calbreds, and he's back in with three-year-olds. This is a much softer spot than the race he was in last time out. He has a big opportunity to win this race. The seven, lightning fast, like the draw towards the outside. The four, El Tigre, Terrible, getting back to the dirt. He just had a brutal trip. He had absolutely no shot last time out. He has some speed, but he can sit off the pace too. I do think he's the one to beat. I like him more drawn towards the middle of the pack versus rookie mistake down on the inside. So it's 7-4 for me in the ninth at Del Mar. In race number 10 at Del Mar, the two Canadian luck, watched some speed from the outside, was a close-up second, was in the mix early in the stretch uh, and faded. There's a little more to this one on the drop-in class to the, the higher maiden claiming level. The one tempo I may be using in some spots, but it's mainly 2-6 for me, Spanish count the first time gelding here. Dropping in class. 2-6 in the 10th. And then in race number 11, it'll be 6 Majestic Diva, who has the ability to put up a really impressive effort here and there. The 8 Diamond of Value and the 10 Page Runner. So I have them 8-10-6. That's how I have them stacked in race number 11. So in race number 7, I'll, I'll put together a late pick 5 that'll... The Friday Pick 5 at Del Mar will look something along the lines of this. If the the audio was like a little loud and now it's a little bit softer, my bad. It, just a, a rough technical technical day uh, with the show, which I've been pretty lucky for the most part with the technical stuff. So um, Del Mar late Pick 5 for Friday, one three ten with 1-6, with 4-7, with 2-6, with 6-8-10. Let's talk on Friday, Stable Duel. So on Friday, there are three different contests you can get involved in at Stable Duel. For $10 or for $25, you can get involved in the, the Del Mar contest. You can play at Ellis Park for 5 bucks, or you could play at Monmouth Park for $10. bucks. i am going to go through some of my plays at, at Del Mar. We just talked about the Del Mar card, so they're going to be a lot of similar plays. But let's just talk about them as far as the salary cap is concerned for your Stable Duel lineups. In the first, I'm using the, the, the five. Will Dancer, who's going to be 6000 no doubt about it, I'm going to use the 5. 
In the second, there's three I could use. If you want to spend up, I'm okay with the five at eight thousand. I'm okay with the six. I'm the boss of me at eighty five hundred. But I would prefer the, the three thousand of pretty Staley. I think that get, that gives you a, a good opportunity moving forward to have more to spend. In the third, um, the the three I'm so adorable only cost you five hundred. If you want to spend up, I think any of Angel Creek at seventy five hundred, Althea Gibson at eight thousand, or Liberalism at ninety two hundred. I'm fine with any of them. In the fourth, it would be Seeking Refuge at 5000 And then the top three choices, Chris's Wildcat at 7500 Ono's Man at 6500 Cajun Treasure at 8500 In the fifth race, Last First Kiss would cost you 6000 Himiko would cost you 9000 And then Happier, the first timer, maybe at 7000 But I prefer the two and the five there. In the sixth race, I'm going to go Daddy Go at 7500 For me in the seventh, it could be one of three. If you don't want to spend a whole lot, maybe it's Tribal War Chan at seven fifty. The Brickyard Ride would cost you eighty five hundred, but Quick Finish at a thousand feels right for me. That's the ten. Ten, three, and one in the seventh. In the eighth, it's the one Ivy League at eight thousand. It's the six Madone at seven thousand. In race number nine, the seven Lightning Fast at three thousand. The four El Tigre Terrible at nine thousand would be the, the the one if I'm going to spend up a little there. In the 10th, the 2 Canadian Luck at 3,000, the 6 Spanish Count at 7,000, and then Montana Man, uh, Moon at 6,000. I'd be okay with that one. In closing things out, I would want either the 6 Majestic Diva if you're spending up. If not, give me the 8 Diamond of Value at 5,000 or the 10 Page Runner at 5,000. That's Friday. Stable Duel Contest. Make sure to get involved in those Stable Duel Contests. You can play for $5 at, at Ellis, 10 at Monmouth, or in this Delmar contest for $10 or $25. If you have any questions, just let me know. Let's get to Saturday racing, and let's get over to Saratoga. To be honest, the the late part of the card at Saratoga I like, and we'll take a look at the, the late pick five. Didn't really love anything early on, and they are going to stack Midnight Bisu in the early part of the card to keep Midnight Bisu in, in the grade one personal ensign out of the, the late exotic. So the fifth race... You know, you look at that field, they're going to go a mile and an eighth. The Bounding Joy seems overmatched. Motion to Motion was just beat eight lengths by Midnight Bisu at a time where you would have thought Midnight Bisu could maybe be vulnerable in her first start back coming back from, from Saudi Arabia. You never know when horses have a big travel like that, but she looked awesome. She didn't get a monster figure or anything, but she just crushed the group and she looked versatile as ever. I just don't know who in this field I would I would point to, right? You have... I guess point of honor maybe No pun intended Vexatious is honest She just doesn't win Bossy Bride was a 25 claimer A couple starts back She's just in too tough here And then you got point of honor She is In in her grade 1 races She's been in grade 1s 4 times And all 4 of them She's been in the top 3 But she's never won A grade 1 She's a grade 2 winner can she step up and deal with a, a mare like Midnight Bisu? I don't think so. I just I think she's a couple low. If anybody, it would be point of honor, but you're, you're not going to get enough of a price that makes it worth playing. So this is just one of those races that you watch as a fan because I don't think it's really worth betting in any way, shape, or form. And I don't like anybody early in, early on enough to want to play that early pick five and, and just single Bisu on the back end of it. Let's go to the late pick five, though, in race number eight. So Holy Imp, this is not a strong maiden special weight race. They're going to go a mile and three-eighths. 
Holy Emperor should sit close throughout. I think you want to use this one stepping back up from the Maiden 75 claimers. Amano's the one to beat. Second off the short little break. And, and then Reigning Spirit. I, I probably prefer Reigning Spirit the most of the three. I actually think the added real estate will help him. So I'll have him stacked 817 in race number 8 at Saratoga. In the ninth race. So. I like Code of Honor the most in here. I think he's going third off the layoff. He chased a lone speed winner last time out. He's only on a mile and an eighth once. This might actually be his best distance. He he didn't run like it was his best. He didn't run poorly. But this this is actually a, a maybe his most ideal distance. He likes Saratoga. I just don't know in a small field like this if he gets the pace that he needs. But by my standards, got dusted by Tom's detaught. Improbable got handled by Tom. And I don't I don't think Mr. Buff is in the league of everybody else. He's the one to catch. He'll be on the lead, Mr. Buff. Improbable, I can make a little bit of an excuse for him. He did have a wide trip in that Oaklawn race when he lost to Tom's detaught. But he's got to improve. He got his his nice big grade one going a mile and a quarter, proving he can go longer. Improbable last time out. So, yeah, I, I can't get really too cute in this race either. I would have it 3-5-2 in the Whitney. A short Whitney field, but there's some quality in there. The 10th race is the Jerkins, grade 1, 7 furlongs, 3-year-olds in here. So the one hopeful treasure just looks a little overmatched. The 2-8 rings is a wild card in this field. He's a grade 1 winner, but he just hasn't progressed at 3. He needs a big improvement from what he's shown. I mean, his debut race was awesome, but he's never been able to get back to that. But he's really quick, and if he's gunned, he could change the complexion of this race and make things a little more difficult for no parole. I think Sonaman is a long shot that is going to have to improve a ton to be competitive in here. The 4 Echo Town. He got shuffled back a little bit in, in the most recent race, and then he came through later for second. I thought it was an okay effort. There's a little more to him. I'm not sure what to do with Mischievous Alex, who he's going to go second start off. He he was third, sitting third, and, and then he moved up to second. He was chasing. He was just a couple lengths off. He got to within a half length, and then no parole kicked clear, and Mischievous Alex ended up finishing fourth to five. I don't know. I just like others more. You get no parole, who's the one to catch and beat. But he's got a couple wild cards in here, like eight rings, like tap it to win. They could be really close. They could be asked for a lot of speed turning back. Well, eight rings uh, sprinted last time out. He he went long a couple times last year. But in a shorter type trip, I could see eight rings getting gunned. I could see tap it to win getting gunned. So, no pros want to be. But is maybe an Echo Town or maybe even a Mischievous Alex, are they going to try to get a little bit closer this time? I, I don't think it's going to be quite as easy as it was for No Parole. That doesn't mean he can't win. The horse I really like is the... So Shoplifted, too. I'm, I'm up against Shoplifted. I like the 8-3 technique. He's always been highly regarded. He chased Lone Speed when we saw him in January... Then he was behind Nadal last time out. He's cutting back to a sprint. 
If you get around five to one, that is fine. On three technique, I'm gonna have him on top. The nine Liam's pride, Captain Bombastic. I couldn't really make cases for any of the big big prices in here, but I did think tap it to win makes a lot of sense. So I'll play one ticket where I'm I'm using sort of that second tier of horses in here with the eight eleven four. And then the six, no parole on one ticket where I'm going to be singling. So I'll go through the the, the couple pick five approaches uh, when we uh, when we finish up in just a minute. So eight, eleven, four, six in the jerkins for me. In the eleventh race, the bowling green going a mile and three eighths on the turf course. I'm going to go to the deuce here. I just this is a horse who loves Saratoga and who goes really with cross border. You're going to get the love from Channel Maker, Sadler's Joy. They've been around for a while. A lot of people know those names. I just think cross-border outruns this field. But he can sit if he has to. Cross-border is going to be a single for me in the pick five. I'll play another ticket where I use the two, four, and seven. I think Dot Matrix can sit really close. If you put a line through his last start, maybe just say he was in a little too tough in the Manhattan. Two starts back. Anything close to that wins this. What he ran in the Connolly would be very competitive here. The seven would be my other horse, Pillar Mountain, who's going to go second off. He was last early. He angled out. He was six plus wide. He was very wide closing, and he wasn't far out of third. He was behind a couple of next out winners. Two four seven in race number eleven at Saratoga on Saturday, and then to close things out in race number twelve, I would use three, maybe four horses. So on the ticket where you single, I'll go two four seven and nine, and it'll start with the nine. Um, It'll start with the nine, Kariba. So, Kariba is going to be stepping up a little bit. This is a, a tougher spot, but she was so impressive last time out, and she feels like she's going to sit a perfect trip. The four introduced, she is sharp. She just does nothing wrong sprinting on the turf. I think it's a great spot for introduced to run really, really well. And the seven. Would be the other one, Delika. Who's the horse to beat? She was sort of bottled up and came running last time out. So it would be 9, 4, and 7. I'll use the three of them in exotics in race number 12 there at Saratoga. So a couple late pick fives on Saturday in race number 8. 1, 7, 8 with 2, 3, 5 with 4, 6, 8, 11 with 2 with 2, 4, 7, 9. And then another one. 178 with 35 with 4811 with 247 with 479. That is Saturday over at Saratoga. One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. And I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, the market has, has been uh, really good. Um, we're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are going to be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. 
and you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full-service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino. Besides me being uh, a full-service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. They, everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. Final segment of this show, we're going to go to Del Mar for Saturday. And honestly, I don't love this Del Mar card overall. It seems pretty chalky. I mean, you you, you kicked things off in race two with the a stakes race, the shared belief. The one Uncle Chuck is out, the three a new door is out. It's going to be a field of four. We're going to see the Baffert Suzanne towards the outside, who is the $3.6 million purchase, who is going to be the one to catch. But I like Honor AP quite a bit. But in a small field like this, anything can happen. It, it still, to me, looks like Honor AP doesn't have to be too far out of it, and I think he's pretty versatile. So it'll be Honor AP there, not necessarily a race or a horse you're going to be able to bet. In the fifth race, though, there's a horse who you might be able to use if you're playing some of the early exotics. That's the six Ray Ray, who I think is the one to catch in here. He's going to try to steal the race, stretching out to a mile. I think he takes them as far as he can. I don't see a whole ton of other speed. I think he can outrun Tis a Magician, who will probably try to stalk off. And, and uh, Ray Ray will try to get the job done here. Anything around 7 to 2 will make a win rager on Ray Ray. Let's get you to race number 7 in here. Another uh, horse to uh, to look at and to include in some of your exotics. It's the the nine taming the tigress, and and this is maybe a single in here. She got pushed in at the start, and then she got shuffled a bit on the inside. She angled around three wide, uh, three wide, and she she tired a little bit late, but she gets off the rail today, and you're going to get an entirely different kind of trip for the nine taming the tigress. A two to one, and and probably a late exotic single there in race number seven. Let's get to race number nine. And I'm going to go uh, to the eight, Delmar Drama. She's going to get back to the turf. She's going to drop in for the maiden 62-5, the, the high claiming tag. Look who she faced early on in her career. Six next out winners in the debut, including grade one winner speech, greatest stakes winner Venetian Harbor. She's just been in some really, really tough races. She's never gone long on the turf, though. And in the races when she's gone long, she's shown a little more speed. I think she's going to be sitting close in here. She deserves a shot to go long on the grass. She's going to go third start off the break. She's ready for a good effort here on the drop. This looks like they're trying to get a win with Del Mar Drama. We'll use the six better with age in some of the exotics. 
And then to close things out, the number three in race number 10 will be my final play of the day. That's going to be the grade one Bing Crosby. And I like Desert Law. I think the rail really hurt him last out. He got shuffled from the inside. He had to angle around and he came on late. But it, it was it was a hard setup um, for him. And I think just getting off the rail a little bit is going to help quite a bit. If you look last year, he won the Thor's Echo and then he came in and was really good in the Bing Crosby. But prior to the Thor's Echo, he had another race under his belt. That wasn't the case this year. The Thor's Echo was his first start in a while. He should take a massive step forward. Desert Law. Going to be the play there. Anything around 3-1. to one, I'll use Desert Law along with Wild Man Jack and Collusion Illusion in some exotics. But we'll look to play a win wager on Desert Law in the 10th. The grade 1 being Crosby. That's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Make sure to subscribe, download, rate, review, share the show around with your friends, and we'll be back next week with some more That's What G Said.